Our Hebrew scripture reading this morning comes from Psalms 36, verses 5 through 10. Listen to the word of the psalmist. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from your river, from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your salvation to the upright of heart. The gospel reading this morning comes from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Listen to the writings of John. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone jars, water jars, for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. God is still speaking. It's a great story. How many of you saw the uh, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ? If you didn't, you don't need to see it. But the depiction of, of Mary is quintessentially Catholic. Mary's this very devout woman, and she's, you just see her always with her head down, and she's, she's very, she's always praying. You know, she's the one that the Catholics come to in prayer. But when you meet Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the Scriptures, she doesn't come across as Catholic. She comes across as, forgive me, Nick, but quintessentially Jewish. (laughs) Jesus and his disciples are just, they're just getting together. And they haven't started the ministry yet. And they're at this wedding in Cana, and this social catastrophe occurs the wine runs out. And Jesus' mother goes up to him and says, not, would you fix this? They have no wine. You can just see every hackle on Jesus' body goes up. I mean, no one can push your buttons like your mother or your father or your mother-in-law. It just is not possible. And you think, 
I'm supposed to do something really big here in my life, and my own mother is making me crazy. And he, and he looks at her, and he says, woman, what does that have to do with you or me? She doesn't argue with him. She didn't have a discussion about, you know, the obligations of a son. And the, she just says, to the steward, do whatever he tells you. And you can just tell her, she just kind of walks off. And you can just like, he's probably 12 years old again, right? Like, I can't believe this. Jesus is trying to figure out when, when do you start? Something that you know you're supposed to do. When do you start? When are you ready to do it? We're going to get to that in just one second. I, I don't know if you read the Sandpiper Express, but my senior year in, in college, I danced for an international folk dancing group called Mayfest Dancing. And in Mayfest, it was student-run and student-organized. And, and the philosophy was they always partnered you with a partner who was experienced. So if, if you were new, you, you had a partner, whether it's, you know, whatever, um, who knew the dances. And you were probably had done these once or twice in rehearsal. But then we, every, at least once a week, if not twice a week, we would go to an elementary school or a high school or a middle school or to a senior center or something, and we would perform. Because you really learn the dances when you perform. So we had just learned this dance, Bavarian Landlord, I just learned it. And it's this German dance, and you got later hose, and you know, the whole thing. And it's a fun dance. I mean, it just is a lot of fun. And we're going around the circle, and I'm coming up to my partner, and I just do a complete brain freeze. Like, I have no idea what comes next in this dance. And she looks, I look like flatliners. You know, flat, remember flatliners where the like, your brain goes, Arr. She looks in my eyes, and of course, when you're dancing, you have this smile the whole time, you know, because you perform, and you're smiling. You're like Barbie. And she looks in my eyes with love, and she says, Down! Oh, right. <laughs> Drop to my knee, she hisses in my ear, Down! I didn't think I was ready for that dance. No one in the audience actually knew I didn't know what was going on, because my partner at the right moment said, Down! And it's like, okay, I know where I am now. Jesus didn't know he was ready. He didn't think he was ready. He was ready. And his mother just, in his passive-aggressive way, do whatever he tells you. You know, I mean, this is, if you want to learn how not to speak to your children, this is the counterexample. You know, not directly, just, you know. And yet, he knows what he's supposed to do, and he does it. The Gospel of John, if you look at the Gospel of John, the point of what Jesus does is to provide signs for who He is. Lazarus is raised from the dead in the Gospel of John. It is a sign so that the people that see Him may know and believe. Exact opposite of the Gospel of Mark. If you don't believe in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus can't do anything. Faith always precedes miracles in the Gospel of Mark. John is the exact opposite. Jesus does miracles in John so that you will believe. And most of the miracles in John are big signs feeding the, you know, the 5,000, these big things so that people will believe. 
This is a first sign. And think about the sign. Most people don't know what happened. His disciples do. The wine steward does. But most people don't know. And it really is, if you think about it, it's not that big of an event. I mean, yes, it's a wedding, and if it's your wedding, it's a big event. But it's not raising someone from the dead. It's not feeding 5,000 people. It's making sure that this party goes on. And I just want to lift up a couple things here. First of all, when someone gives you a nudge to do what you are capable of doing, often it will not come from a source that feels like, oh, good. Like sometimes someone will give you a nudge and you'll think, oh, that's a great idea. You know, I wish all the nudges in our lives were that way. That's a great idea. I wish I'd have thought, thank you for saying that. Most of the time, the nudges that come are like, are you serious? I don't want to do that. I do not want to do that. And yet, it's what we're called to do. The other piece is it's for someone else. Not so that Jesus' party or Jesus' mother or Jesus' family's party is saved, but this is just a social occasion that, you know, hey, this is a social catastrophe. Fix it. Why are you waiting? I want you to look at your life and look at all of those little annoying things that are gnawing at you to say, you can do this. And probably you think, I don't want to listen to that voice. I don't want to hear that voice. And I don't want to do what that voice tells me. But I want you to pay attention to that voice. Even if it comes to you in an annoying way. And even if you think you're not ready, or even if it's not spoken well, how it's spoken doesn't matter. Where it comes from, ultimately, it's Jesus' mother. He's going to do the right thing because he's a good Jewish boy. But that shouldn't matter either. Is it what you are called to do? Is it now time? Is it now time? We all need a nudge. Even Jesus needed a nudge. And his first miracle was turning anywhere between 120 and 180 gallons of water into wine to keep a party going. And that ought to keep a party going for a while. (laughs) About two hours in this crowd. Just kidding. God comes to us, gives us a nudge through someone else to do something that needs to be done, that we can do, and it helps the community of faith. It helps the people around us. And that's good news. Amen.